Hey everyone, welcome to Hashtag Enlightened Bitches. I'm Julia. And I'm Claire. This podcast follows the lives of two women who have formed an uncommon bond through parenting, recovery, womanhood, and fierce personal growth. We are on the never-ending search for enlightenment, but we're taking our attitude problems with us. If anyone doesn't know that Seinfeld reference, you've wasted a bunch of your time in life doing something else. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Hashtag Enlightened Bitches. Tonight's episode, do you want to introduce it? I feel like I always do it. Oh, tonight's episode, dun dun dun, (laughs) dun dun dun, is caretaking, no, caregiving and caretaking. Caretaking versus caregiving. Okay. So one or the other. One or the other. All right. (laughs) (laughs) This is why she always does it. (laughs) You just show up for the wine. (laughs) And COVID. Coughs. And sneezes. You you love sharing the COVID online Mm -hmm. over the over the podcast. Yeah. Um I want to make a joke about the wine and your meeting tonight, but I'll just leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can't do that. Anonymity. Anonymity? Yeah. Yes. I love crushing that word. I say it a lot now. Um, So, as per usual, we're going to give ourselves a basic structure tonight. We're going to go over the definitions of caretaking versus caregiving. Okay. And then we're going to share our own personal stories and struggles with it and our recovery, I guess. Correct. That's still in the process. Yeah. Because that is what it is. Correct. Um. And then tips and tools for people looking to recover from their care. Um, This is going to spoil the end. Recover from your caretaking. And I don't know. I don't want to say learn to be a caregiver. But I guess like. No, I think it's. um, No, it's an ongoing recovery path. Yeah. For of um, learning. Learning to change your blueprint. Yeah, fair. Cool. I yeah. like it. See, yeah. you come up with the good stuff, too. <laughs> All right. Um, before we read the Google definition of them, what's your definition of caretaking? Uh, caretaking takes. It's self-serving. Okay. So it's when we approach others hoping to um, take care of them by but really serving ourselves through either Wanting to control them, wanting to get something out of it, wanting to, um, what would be the, the other thing? Um, like, I said self-serving, but it's another way to say it. Like, fulfill our own needs by yeah. taking care of someone else. Yeah. Whereas caregiving is um, caring for someone without any sort of personal expectations or trying to get anything out of it for yourself. It's attempting to offer someone else care that's unrelated to your own benefit. Not necessarily self-sacrificing. So can caretaking not, can you not caretake with empathy? Or is that then caregiving? Uh, You can care, I believe people can caretake with empathy. So you can go in and care about someone and still be, um, gratifying your own needs um so you still it's all self-serving it's it has an element of self-serving okay where a portion of it if you're caretaking 
a portion of, of it is really about you. So you can go in and really care about all of your friends and family members, but how you take care of them is something to soothe your own needs. Okay. Um, and then my last question is, do they, do they know they're doing it? Can, can, can they do it without knowing they're doing it? Uh, totally. Okay. Yeah. I think the majority of people who do care take are doing it without knowing it. That they don't realize that they're, but I care about you so much. It's like, I took care of you and this is what I'm getting out of it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not always like this Machiavellian, like mm-hmm. multi chess player game, like multi set yeah. chess player game. Sometimes they're like, I don't know. I was just trying to do things for you. Don't you like it? Don't you like me? Like, don't you appreciate me? Like I was doing this for you. It's like, <laughs> if you wanted the, you know, if you're doing it without humility, it's not really... Not gonna work out. All right. Um, Did you have anything different to add to that? Do you? Would you explain it differently? Caretaking versus caregiving. Um, Nurse. (laughs) I'm sorry, you missed the eye roll and the yeah, yeah. Um, yes and no. Um, I like. I'm trying not to look at the screen that has definitions on it. Um, I think. I, I go to this place where sometimes people need to be taken care of because as a nurse, there's times where people just need to be told what to do, um, where they literally don't know what to do. So, um, but I don't know whether that's caretaking or caregiving. And it sounds more like caretaking cause it's coming from a, I think you should do this, but also there's a point where people just fucking don't know what to do. And so it's okay. This is where I would argue you is caretaking and caregiving aren't about the person being cared for. It's about the person doing uh, the caring, doing the caring. Hmm. So if and you're see, whereas I'm looking at it from the perspective of the other person, because I'm the nurse. So I'm always looking at it from the perspective of the other person, not from the amount of care I provide someone. Right. Yeah. Because I'm always there caretaking, um, which is part of, this why this podcast came up we'll get into that later but um but i'm always looking at it as fixing something right i'm always looking at it at that perspective so caretaking caregiving to me i'm like they're the fucking same thing because you're basically doing the same thing well in the in the nurse role you are a caretaker always because you're getting paid that's your profession yeah you are doing it for you it doesn't matter who shows up you are a caretaker but I'm only doing it for the people that fucking show up, right? So, like, I'm doing it because they're showing up. Right. So. If they didn't, you wouldn't have a job. Right. <laughs> but there's always going to be people that need help. Right. And, so. But it's not dependent on who shows up. Someone no. could show up at the hospital and be like, I have a cut. Like, I need a suture or I need a yeah. butterfly band-aid or I'm, like, having an anxiety attack and need Ativan. And yeah. you'd be like, great, you made my job super easy today. Yeah. But you're caretaking because – you're there for your benefit. You showed up to that job because you needed something to do that day to make money. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. It's, it's not about who shows up, whether they need to be told what they need or whether they don't. It's about the person offering the care. But someone has to do it. Yeah. Someone has to do my job. Right. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm posing the argument that all nurses are caretakers. Yeah. But I'm also posing the argument that if, like that yeah 
I guess I'm looking at it again from the spot of like, there's, there's has to be a nurse. Like they're like, they're, yeah, of course. So there has to be a caretaker um, in that regard because. Um, okay. Yeah. So this is for like medical needs. Like this is a, yeah. this is a service yeah, that's yeah. provided. So the service has constructed the system of caretakers and patients. Yeah. Whereas where we want to bring it into is the realm of loved ones, family, um, acquaintances, people we know, people in our tribe. Yeah. Like take take the service aspect out of it. Yeah. Which is gonna make this super fucking uncomfortable for you. Yeah. Um <laughs> but then it's also you say take the service provider out of it. It but people don't actually take that away from me. Like not you, but like outside of our like my external peripheral tribe that's not like my close everyday tribe like right. you are and other people are. Um but like if they have a question, they're like, well Claire's a nurse. So right. they keep continue to show up in my life. Right. So and so when you offer people outside of your tribe, it, when they ask you or request advice as from a nurse's perspective, like medical care, yeah. Are they are they asking for you to care about them? Or are they asking you to provide them some of your expertise? Some of my expertise. Right. Yeah. But they're not asking you to give a shit. Sometimes uh, they are. Yeah, sometimes they are. <laughs> like, oh my God, I have this. Like, I need someone to care about me. I'll ask Claire. She's a nurse and she's like, likes medical shit. So maybe she'll give a fuck about yeah. me if I ask her particularly. Yeah. Then you can look at them and be like, are you still breathing? You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> My my medical expertise says that you're still breathing and you can walk. It's my favorite line. You're just stealing yeah. it from me. I always love that. But it's an emergency. Wait, you just yelled at me. No, it's not. <laughs> it's my favorite line. You can't okay. steal it from me. So to summarize, we've established caretaking yeah. is, a, is a self-serving way of caring for yeah. someone. Or a self-serving reason behind showing care or offering care okay whereas care giving is when we're we're not invested in what we get out of it when we go to care for or care about someone sure and that's totally different from nurses being caretakers because (laughs) it's a paid medical service yeah they don't have to care about you (laughs) in order to offer you that service it's their job they're required to (laughs) so all right what does google say uh, Google says caretaking takes from the recipient or gives with strings attached. Yeah. Caregiving gives freely. Caregivers don't practice self-care because they mistakenly believe it is a selfish act. Caregivers practice self-care unabashedly because they know that keeping themselves happy enables them to be of service to others. Mm. Fuck, Google got it really well. Yeah. I'm impressed with that description. Yeah, me too. I feel like Google's like stepped into the woo-woo understanding descriptions of like higher self understanding of like humanity. I really is, appreci- is Google bracing millennialism. Whoa. Google has to because they exist <laughs> and they contribute a lot to Wikipedia. Like it's not Google's fault. Um that's just part of the <laughs> online culture. Because millennials exist and they complain a lot, so all their shit is on there. Like that's like asking Instagram if it's like um 
catering to millennials. It's not about Instagram. It's not about Google. They're just there and they fucking put their shit all over everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So stories? Is that what we're launching into? Or are uh, uh, old damage related to? Or what, well, what are we starting with? Well, it's kind of all of the above. You okay. know, like, what's our history? Like, where where were we before? Where are we now? So, yeah, we'll do we'll do the chronological, and we can either, like, start now and, um, what's it called, reverse engineer? Or do or... we want to just start with what happened to us this week? That's a oh, touchy subject. Well, uh, there's a bunch of sharesies in there that I'm not prepared to put online. Okay. All right. So, uh, can I, we, can we I... dumb it down? To, like, just you and I part of it? Because mm. that's a sharesy that we could put online. Like, just the R part of it. Um, and how we how we had a conversation about it and, like, how we're... What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking through it. I don't, I don't know if there's a way for me to talk about what happened with us without me talking about the circumstances that brought it on. Which, I don't know. Well, just don't... Just, just call it a medical issue. We both had medical issues. Okay. We don't have to go into the the details of our medical issues. We both had medical issues this week. Okay, fair. That caused us to have stress, and then life, the other life circumstances that I'm I'm willing to share. Okay. Around around that that brought everything to a head. Okay. Yep. Does that work? Yep. Okay. 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 All, All right. right. So I guess we'll start with. We both had medical issues with that we dealt with this week. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like really, ultimately, it doesn't really matter. Those issues were benign to the to the to what co- yeah. conversation came of. Yeah, and like how how we dealt with it. Yeah. So, I guess where we started from was like you and I wound up getting a bit disconnected. Yeah. Because um, we spent a lot less time together lately, yeah. and you've been out of the house a lot. Yeah. And I felt kind of like alone, a bit jealous of your new boyfriend. And I promise I won't, like, stomp in any of his headlights or anything. <laughs> or bat them in. Stomp, bat, kick, punch. Yeah. I've I've got a few pairs of boots. Yeah. And a baseball bat. Right. And yeah. that's all what they're for. Yeah. So. And then a hatchet and a tarp, right? And a rope. Right. Always in my trunk. It's yeah. the ex-boyfriend kit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. <laughs> I still wish we could use that on someone. Well, if he calls again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yes, I've been out of the house and then we had, we had other external circumstances in our life, which were labeling medical issues, medical issues, um, that, um, brought us to caretaking, caregiving kind of conversations. Yeah. Uh, conflicts. <laughs> they started as conflicts, maybe. They so, started as conversations and then became a conflict. Yeah. So I, I had like a very fucking stressful evening on Monday night Yeah, and I texted you immediately, Ooh. like from a nurse's and yeah. best friend, yeah. as a nurse and best friend position, yeah. where I was like, holy fuck, what's happening? I kind of maybe think I need help. Right. And you were like, and I'm like, I called the doctor, like, this is what I need medically. And you're like, I can come home, no problem. I can help you with that. Yeah. And um, the, the like proceeding <laughs> was was like parts of my damage showed up right. where you came home and like be- between you coming home and me stressing the fuck out and thinking there was something very medically wrong I went through my head like okay if this is happening 
Like, what do I, like, do I need her to pick up anything? Like, what do I hope she comes home with? Like, just the random thoughts that go through my head. I'm like, and I didn't text you any of them. Yeah. I was like, these things might make me feel better. I hope these things happen, but it's not a big deal. I'm not going to ask for them. And when you got home, um, you started to ask me, "Do, do you need anything? What can I get you? Can I go pick you up? And my responses kept being deflective. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I need that. I don't know if I need that yet. Um, no, I didn't want to bother you. No, that's unnecessary. No, I don't want to start eating junk food and commit to being upset. Like, um, and I haven't decided if like, I'm going to, I'm going to do these things yet. So no, I don't need any of those. I don't need it. And we kind of started to like go through the process. I think of you being like, like, I'm here to help you. And I'm like, that's fine. I just don't know if I need any help. Like, so there was kind of this, this like rising, yeah. um, I guess, situation of me trying to deny types of your care and offering for care and you continuing to try to find avenues to help me feel cared for. Right. And from my own personal experience, like I, being from where I was raised, how I was raised with a mother that was not highly affectionate. Yeah. Um, that where I came out of that later was realizing that I, I don't feel cared for by having people do things for me. Right. So having someone be like, can I cook you dinner? Can I go pick you up ice cream? Like, can I bring you anything? Like, are you okay? It makes me highly fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Like those things do not help me feel cared for. Right. And, um, but what you did offer me was being in my space. Yeah. So remaining home with me and like having a chat with me that, um, you know, I can be here. It's better. Like, yeah. just let me be around. And yeah. like, that was a way healthier yeah. part of our conversation where yeah. you just offered to be around. Right. And Whereas like my, it's funny. Cause when I listening, when you're talking about like the, like, can I help you? Can I take, can I give you, can I, blah 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 and I think it's I just always find it so interesting how our damages are so different like (laughs) like well different but the same so like this in essence that we're both damaged from mothers Mm -hmm. um but what like what my damage comes from the alcoholic where it's so unreliable that all I want someone to do is just be like like to give me consistency Mm -hmm. in basically showing up and giving me care so like showing up and like bringing me what I need Right. So that's how, because, and I think also too, the other aspect of it is when, especially when it comes to medical issues as a nurse, I'm like, I downgrade and push aside anything that's going on. So for me, like, it's like, that's not what I, like, I don't want to talk about, I don't need someone in my space to talk about my medical issue. I just literally want you to show up and just, you know, I want the ice cream. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want you to just do things for me. Right. Because so, I want to deflect away from talking about anything because I don't, I don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to talk about the emotions yeah. involved in yeah. what, how you feel about your medical emergency. Yeah. Because I don't care. <laughs> like, because one, I've either shoved it aside or I don't want to talk about it. Like, I, right. it's just, it's, it's not something I want to put on a platter and talk about. I'm like, I will right. deal with it when I'm ready to deal with it. And most of the time I'm going to shove it down and not deal with it because that's right. my damage. So it's just different. Like our damages are just like, they come from our mothers, but they come in such unique differences yeah. because We're, ultimately your mom showed up and brought you shit. My mom? Well, not cared for you, but your mom always like consistently, I feel like from your stories, 
your mom didn't care. She care took you anyways. Like, like she didn't take you to the hospital, but you know, you were always like, you got food and you got this and you got that and you got, you got things done for you in a roundabout way. Uh, in a roundabout in her, way. In her self-sacrificing way. Yeah. So she would, I don't know, bring me like a new rug for my living room. Yeah. Or like, uh, want to like see something dirty in my house and yeah. be like, oh, I know how to clean that. Yeah. Like, or she'd find something like broken and yeah. she'd be like, oh, we can fix this this way. And yeah. I'm like, that's not getting fixed. It's going in the garbage. She's like, no, no, no. I will repair this for you. She'd sew up any stitch. Yeah. Yeah. But she did not want to talk to me about my emotions. Right. So um, she didn't feel comfortable sitting in your space. That's right. Yeah. She, like she didn't want to spend time with right. me. Right. And I, I grew up like displaying the same damage too. Mm. So that's part of my history is right. that when, when I see other people broken um, or like just not having a good time, I'm like, if you don't have a problem for me to solve, I can't help you here. So I'm going to go like, it makes me uncomfortable to watch other people suffering and struggling yeah. or it used to right. like now I've been able to really open up and like someone else's vulnerability isn't a reflection of my hidden vulnerability no. anymore. So I'm happy to fully like be with someone in whatever uncomfortable place they're in. Yeah. I just accept them for where they're at. Right. And like, I don't know, offer them what they're asking for or offer them what I, what they're telling me they need or, right. or just be, just be, just be around. Right. And I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, I can definitely see where like your exact method of care taking and my exact method of um, the type of care that I cherish most yeah. um, are the exact fucking, like the, the two things yeah. that like butt heads the most, it's like yeah. fire and water. Yeah. It just doesn't match. Yeah. So um, and it's interesting because both are medical issues, yeah. <laughs> medical circumstances. Like I, you have someone that like there for you, you had the guy that you're seeing yeah. there for you. And did yeah. he offer the type of caregiving that you wanted during that time? Um, yes, I think. I think he wanted to provide more care than I need it. Right. <laughs> um, so, yes, at the end of the day, the day worked out the way I needed it to work out. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that person would have held my hand from, like, square one to square Z. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, one and Z, different systems. <laughs> okay. One matter. to hundred, A yeah. to Z. <laughs> basically the same idea he would have no but he would have done one to hundred and a to z yeah that's correct (laughs) that's why i think i went one to z um but because but i my damage also doesn't allow that right either so um (laughs) mine too i called my my guy ish guy ish yeah um because like there was a point where i literally like rejected you where i was like please like you're your want to caretake for me and the way you wanted to offer care I was like I fucking don't like this and it's not working for me and I was literally like put out the energy of like don't come home and leave me alone please and the person that I that I had come over I was like I'm just be in my space and like don't talk like we're gonna turn on the tv and just be here 
And <laughs> so that, that worked out for me. And eventually I opened up and talked about it, but I literally didn't need anything. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't need him. I didn't want, I didn't wish he came with ice cream. I didn't hope he did my dishes for me. Like right. I, there was none of that. Yeah. But it's funny how we can't say that to the people that we really want at our space. True. Yeah. Like I, we can't invite them back and say, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. I just want you to sit here. We yeah. can't even tell those people that we love that we want that. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. But it comes to that point where like, um, yeah, like our damage prevents us from doing that to the people that we want yeah. in our, like in our space. Yeah. Our damage comes to that point. Yeah. Cause like, fuck me. Like my whole, my whole system was like, she's with him. Like, don't like, just let her have it. Don't tell her that you want her to come home. Like I was just already mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. There's there no way I was going to tell you to like leave your boyfriend and come home and spend the night with me and like make him not come over. Like, yeah. yeah. Don't bring him with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas like, ultimately, like, I think my, my take on it was like, I was wanting to come home. And um, my plan wasn't to be where I was when I made the phone call to you, because my plan was to be at home. Um, and then, ultimately, um, I wasn't at home. And then I was like, okay, well, now I'm not coming home. Right. Yeah. We both like shot ourselves in the foot a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So our, our damage, like both weirdest, ugly head where you're like, yeah. what can I do for you? And I'm just like, nothing and like shut down and shut you out yeah so yeah whereas like and your 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 request like your approach to being like what can I do for you can I do this can I cook you dinner can like I take OPEC for a while for you can I like do you want me to do these things can I pick up anything and I'm like no 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 none of those things I don't want any of them yeah like and it's also the other part of my damage is not like I don't respond well to having people see me vulnerable or to right. like have people approach me with some sort of like pity. Um, because growing up, if I showed my mom any vulnerability, she preyed on it. Right. So if I was, and also she forced me to be capable even when I was physically incapable. Right. I, she sent me to school on days where I woke up sick as fuck right. and she would just be like, running a fever, like full sinus headache. And she'd tell me to go to school. And if I was really bad at lunchtime to give her a call. So I would call her at lunchtime and be like, I can't be here. And she's like, well, you've already done half a day. Yeah. Like I'm already at work. Like just like sort like just take like figure out the rest of the day. And I'm like, wow, she really like tricked me into just leaving the house to get me out of there like no fucks no fucks yeah whereas my damage comes from the point where it's like no one even asked me Mm. like I like I get to I got to parent myself so that's that's the damage right like where it's like okay well I'm just used to take care taking care of my own shit right forever and ever and ever and so like um but wanting someone to take care of me right so it's a difference, right? It's a, it's a, it's a difference, but not difference. It's the subtleties in the differences yeah. that make things, that make the disagreement show up. But that's in any relationship, regardless of whether that's a friendship yeah. or a romantic relationship or, uh, or anything. But what, what the difference comes down is to, is that it's easy to talk to the people that we're not overly connected with. Whereas yeah. it's a lot harder to talk to the person that we are completely connected with. Yeah, the the people we're closest to are the ones that we have we 
hope, like we have those deep seated yeah. weird hopes that they just know what we need. And but we can never read each other's minds. Oh, of course not. We can't yeah. read anyone's mind. No. Like it's it's a random happenstance where like I know what you need and then you're right. Yeah. Like it's a fucking random yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um and it it is really funny, like your the way you were raised caused you to learn to take care of yourself and to know and identify your own needs. Whereas my damage raised me to learn to not need anything from anyone. Right. But I didn't necessarily care for myself better. Yeah. Um so yeah, but we, it, it's funny. Yeah. It, it caused me to learn what I wanted people to do. It didn't actually give me the voice to have that. Oh, of course not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it raised me to realize what I wanted. Um, I wasn't lost in the wants. Yeah. I was, I was lost, lost in the desire. Mm, explain that. Um, like I understood what I wanted. I wanted the consistency and the like presence of someone to care, provide for me. But I didn't have the voice to say those desires. Right. Right. Yeah. Mine mine was definitely like a full rejection of anyone taking care of me. Because that was also used against me growing yeah. up. And, and which is exactly what a caretaker is. Right. Um, anytime my mother took care of things for me, it was used against me. Right. So that she did so much for me that she and this is this is one of those parts of caretaking that people need to understand is if you are a caretaker or if someone is a caretaker to you, it's an abusive, it can be, and is most often, especially if someone's close to you, an abusive relationship right. where the Google definition itself is um, gives with strings attached um, or care. Uh, yeah. It gives with strings attached. So anytime that someone is caretaking from you, they are taking from you. They yeah. are expecting something in return. Right. Whether it's your compliance or your gratitude or your obedience or your commitment to them, like they're going to, in some way, they believe you owe them something. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it, for me, caretaking just comes from like where I go to that like space where I went with you, it goes to the just tell me what you need. <laughs> I can't read your mind. Just tell me what you need. Okay, like, before Claire starts getting subatomic, yeah. we're just going to take a quick break. <laughs> <laughs> and we are back. Yes, after we, are. we didn't even go anywhere. We just had like a private discussion that you guys didn't get to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we basically took a break and like talked about our own shit and you guys just aren't included. Damage <laughs> <laughs> um, people. <laughs> that's not damage that's boundaries that's super fucking healthy we've done a whole podcast on boundaries oh boundaries so um we've talked a lot about our like current situation and like where a lot of our behavior came from so okay. what our what our caretaking and caregiving damage looks like right and why we behave the way we behaved yeah this time around yeah so for people and i I kind of still want to give a bit of like very particular education for people who are listening to this podcast to help them like self-identify either caretakers or caregivers, um, whether they are caretaking other people. Okay. And whether they are of like unknowingly a victim of someone else who's caretaking on them. Okay. Because I, sure. I think that's a big thing. It has to do with, being a victim and allowing other people to 
encroach on our boundaries and not setting good boundaries and not knowing yourself very well or codependency and attachment issues, which is all related to caretaking versus the (laughs) healthier version of caregiving. So you want to just like really dive deep into caretaking. Well, that's with examples. Mm, Yeah, if we can. So, um, and like different ways. Struggle with lots of people that are enablers of those caretakers. Yeah, that would be the victim, like codependency, right? So I struggle with lots of people that think they're helping people, but they're really not because they're just enabling people. Okay, so talk through that. What does that look like? Okay, so then we have. I have lots of. I've struggled with a lot of people in our community that are not trained to be caretakers and they end up just being enablers to people because they want to help. They come from this, like, I really just want to help these people, but they're not trained to help them. And then they end up enabling people because, because exactly like you said, they don't have boundaries. They don't have self care techniques and whatnot. So they're enabling people that are quite capable of manipulating Okay, so let's let's even make that more direct, and I'll I'll state it if you're not comfortable doing it. This sure. is we're talking about um, either volunteer members or people who are service providers of, right. of types of medical care or community care or right. health care of sure. some sort, enabling people who are have uh, mental illness, yeah. people who have substance use issues um, and struggles, and even people who just have um like resource access issues yeah and this is a lot of this can even be not even in that realm where the caretakers are in become enablers and they enjoy it because they're feeding off what they're getting from the people who are accepting the care oh man right that's even worse this is the whole damage system and this all comes from people attempting to feed their starving fucking spirit Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and well, I've sat here and I sat here and said to you, I, you know, it's amazing how many people I find in like my outside program work that I can't list that, um, that are nurses because like nurses often subconsciously go into the profession as they want to take care of, take care of people. They want to help people, but they're help desire comes from their dysfunction that they've been brought up in it's the same thing with almost with almost all first responders this includes um paramedics police officers firefighters um and also people who are in social work psychiatry um, counseling counseling sorry sorry guys no sorry counselors this this is a whole a whole group of care takers yeah that are in a profession of being someone else's hero and a lot of the time it's coming from damage of wanting to be a hero wanting to be a savior or watching an example set for them that feeling important or feeling needed is the only way to have value in your life yeah this is totally what i'm talking about from the toxicity and the abuse and the abuser and the damage and being brought up with poor boundaries when it comes to healthy bonding and healthy love yeah and the difference is when we the difference i find is when we care about someone giving them that's such a bitch kitty claire's petting the cat right now and holding the cat and the cat is growling at her and claire's being totally fucking nice that cat is just a bitch but you might be in a 
you're being a caretaker. You're petting that cat because you fucking want to, but the cat's growling doesn't want to get pet, Claire. I'm still not letting her go. <laughs> well, you know what? It's not my place to tell you what to do. I'm not your mother. <laughs> no, mine's dead. <laughs> can she have a chat with my mom? She doesn't seem to be ready yet. My mom could use some coaching. That was not a death threat. That's not, yeah, I'm not, like, no, no, let's just no. have that recorded. Yeah, that's not a death threat. Yeah. Oh, there's this weird post I saw today um, on Instagram is the hardest, it's harder to say goodbye to people that haven't even passed away. It is. Yeah. 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 My own damage led me to cut mine out beforehand. Yeah. Was it easier to say goodbye after she died? No. Uh, no. Um, although people were like, you'll regret not having talked to her. I Fuck still those don't, people. I still Fuck don't regret people. my decision. I'm, um, I'm, I just, I, I, the, what I regret is, and it's not a regret. I just, I think I wish I had, I think I wish, ultimately wish I was in a healthier state mm. when I cut my mom out within my own self. Right. Because I don't know if I would have had to cut her out. I think she would have cut herself out of my life. Okay, but I love the quote, you can't heal in the environment that made you sick. So it's highly possible that you could have never reached that level of internal health unless you cut her out. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah. I just know that that that's the only wish I have is that I had been in a healthier state. Um, that I had, like, I feel like I'm in, in a way better state like on a recovery path now and I wish I'd maybe been in, in my own recovery arm on, on my own recovery path. Oh, uh, food for thought from my own experience that my, I have an opportunity to go back to my, to my mom and start a relationship now that I'm in a way fucking healthier state. And the healthier I get, the more I look back and wish I had cut her out sooner. Like, I don't care how damaged I was at the time or how damaged the process was to get rid of her. I should have done it earlier. I, I just, like I said, I, I think my mom would have ended out of my life anyways because I think my boundaries have been so firm in this yeah. healthy state that she would have not had a part because right. of my boundaries. My, just my boundaries have been that firm. So mm-hmm. she would have cut herself out. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. We don't cut them out. They decide for themselves that yeah. they're not allowed to be a part of our lives yeah. anymore because when they don't fucking listen to our boundaries... Yeah. They're done. You're yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the part that I, I just, I, I, I think cause I'm enjoying being like in the thriving state that like, I know where I'm at and regardless of my like shitty, weird, random negative stories that once that pop up every so often, I just, I just love being in my thriving state that yeah. like, I, like, I, I guess I wish I had had that issue then, but it, I don't, I don't know what that looks like and I'm never going to know. So I'm in my state that I'm in and now I just need to deal with the little idiosyncrasies in my life and continue to thrive. Yeah. I like, I like how you keep talking about yourself as a thriver because that's, I find it so valuable. I totally did like a video today on like, that's the place we want to get to is to go from surviving to thriving. And it's just so fucking important for people to overcome their damage to get there. Like it's, it's all, it's all the tools we were not robbed of, but never offered in our youth to grow is what yeah. prevent us from thriving. And when yeah. we finally get there, it just fucking changes. Like it is, it's, it changes your whole life Yeah, to be able to view yourself as a thriver. It's a big deal. I just really enjoy when you're in that thrive state that like 
things flow. Um, like the work doesn't seem as hard. Um, you, you're just so out of the victim hood state that like, it's not as much effort. Like your life life isn't as much effort. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've listened on the podcast how I've like come home and be like, Oh, I wish I was still toxic. It's just easier. Yeah. (laughs) But like ultimately thriving is easier than being toxic because when you're in that toxic mentality, the world's against you. Everyone's horrible. Like that bitch over here couldn't help me with that. And like, even like our little conversation on our fight would have been a volcano. Like yeah. we would be no longer friends over <laughs> something so yeah. um okay hold simple. on we wouldn't talk for a week but we wouldn't not be friends that's just a frightening <laughs> don't even say that but i mean like ultimately if we were in no potentially if we were in our very damaged state we could have ended up not being friends true because that bitch and that this and that that and, and like that, she needs to and, and it's not my fault and and like <laughs> we, we could go on and on and on but that's when you're in your victim state like it's all about you like if only that person in it, only yeah. this yeah. person in, why do, and if like, it's yeah. just, I mean, I, I hear the victim story every day when I pick up a phone and answer it. Hi, my, I'm Claire. How can I help you? Yeah. And it's like, well, let yeah. me just tell you. And I'm like, all right, well, did ya? Yeah. Well, my clients that I work with, right. Yeah. They, they give me the like, well, they this and they that. And like, this always happens to me and I never get, and I'm like, well, bitch. Yeah. Like. Let's put down the always and never yeah, and start like learning some optimism and some like hope here because you're not the fucking Pavlovian dog that just keeps getting zapped and has like no options here. Totally. Like you are not a dog in a cage. Like (laughs) you can can make some choices here. Yeah. And the only one preventing you from doing it is you. Yeah. And Um, so I I think like, I think ultimately when we hit that like thriving state, like it's, it's just so much easier. Like, well, this is the thing. It's like, um, I, did I, did we go over this last podcast where someone called me a fucking red flag? Um, yeah. because I was trying, I was trying to date, start dating, um, and coming into a dating scene pregnant with a child that's, that I'm not keeping. Like yeah. it's for a surrogacy. I'm giving, I'm giving it to the intended parents I'm, I'm growing it for. Yeah. And like for them to be like, that's, you know, that can be so tough. Pregnancy is so tough on an early relationship in the first place. And it's just really difficult for everyone involved. And like, bah, bah, bah. It's so tough. It's so hard. It's so difficult. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And like for, for him to like start listing off all the challenging things going on in my life that he would have to like deal with or cope with and be in a relationship with me. And I'm like, no, nah, bud, you got this shit wrong. Like, yeah. I love my life. Yeah. I love what I'm doing. Right. Things are challenging, but I like it that way. Like, yeah. you're not picking me up off the floor crying over all the shit I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. I'm bossing it. Yeah. And when I have hard, complicated days, because I'm thriving, because I have my tools, because I have my tribe, because I have my coping mechanisms, yeah. because I've, I'm living beyond my damage, not, like, this shit is hard, but it doesn't break me. Yeah. Like, I love my life yeah every time something gets difficult every some every time something's hard or tough or doesn't go as planned I count my fucking blessings yeah and I look at my life and I'm like but I'm also a great like I'm a great parent and I have all the money I need and I love where I live and I have a great life and like the rest of my health is fine like I just yeah I I have gratitude and humility and that's what fucking thriving and getting over your shit does. Yeah. Is you just stop fucking 
dropping a bomb on everything else when when all of a sudden a firecracker goes off. Like you just you handle your shit and you do it with love in your heart and acceptance in your eyes. Okay. So let's relate this back to caregiving. Okay. So care so being a thriver allows you to be a better caregiver and less of a caretaker ultimately. Thank you. Yes. So, absolutely. So when you start thriving in your own life, which is what Google kind of taught us in the beginning, was yeah. that you have Okay, Google didn't teach us. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. But Google, Google, sorry, Google Google's definition at it. Describe that like you have boundaries and self-care and you have your own self. And that allows you to be a better, that allows you to be a caregiver because you're not adding strings attached. You're not a victim. You're not caring and creating like a self-defecating hole that you need to go out and caretake with and then fill that hole and blah, 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 blah. If you are thriving you're going to show up and you're going to thrive in a situation and you're going to care give and then if that person doesn't accept your care you're going to move on right and it's yeah it's about not having anything weighted in yeah, yeah. like you you show up and care about someone yeah. and if they want it they'll or they ask it. for it they'll accept it or whatever as or, as the caregiver yeah it's like you're either the caregiver or caretaker. We're not talking about the person yeah. accepting it or yeah. not. It's being the caregiver is just the same way love works. Yeah. You like asking for it or demanding it or, you know, trying to, trying to predestine it. Yeah. Predestine it. That shit doesn't work out well. No. That's the strings attached bullshit. You can give it and you can offer it and that's it. Yeah. So I, when you start going through recovery and when you start getting into a thriving mindset, just like you said, you can show up as a caregiver because no matter what type of care someone is either asking for or wants, like you, you give it in a healthy way Yeah. and you either have what they're looking for or you don't. Yeah. And you accept that. Yeah. You just accept it as it is. And you let go of the rest. Yeah, there's there there's no well if they this then all that or only if they it's not con, it's not conditional. Yeah, that's the whole thing yeah. is caregiving doesn't show up with conditions. Yeah, and that's the healthy way of doing it. Yeah. Um. Whereas the caretaking is all the victim enabling bullshit. Yeah. Like yeah, and to offer care in a way that you want it's yeah. not and so it makes it the care care person's yeah. issues yeah whereas the caregiving is about the person who requires it and allowing it to be what they need yeah and so like I said if I I guess ultimately like when I went back to my mom the disconnect where mm -hmm. I like disconnect or I cut her out if I had if I had been thriving I feel like it would have been not a me cutting her out. It would have been a, she just cut herself out. Yeah. And so like, that's the, that's the, the difference. I think it comes down to is that like, I would have been centered enough to instill the right boundaries. And, and that happens now in my life in the sense that like people come into my life and if they don't respect my boundaries, they leave my life because they're not, I'm not actually having cut them out. They're just not going to participate in my life anymore it's because they're not having a good time yeah they're not having a good time yeah but there's lots of times where like I will phone clients and they don't end up being they don't end up getting services because they're not ready they don't they don't yeah. they don't know what like 
I'm not, I'm not showing up to fix them. I'm showing up to help them, but I'm not fixing them. So can people in the health services industry, um, whether it's um, mental health services or physical health services, such as first responders, whatever, can they graduate to caregivers in their profession? Yeah, because they don't, because we don't take it on. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but what I'm saying by that is that I don't carry it. I've carried so much for so long. Like, you carry a little piece of someone deteriorating, decompensating in front of you. You witness that's like trauma carries with you. Yeah. So like I've carried so much of that for so long that like I've, I'm now learning. I am now learning to let it go in my, in my thriving state. I'm learning to let shit go. And I'm learning to, because, because my job, my job has changed drastically with my recovery. Um, because the statement is that, you so the statement is you don't find mental health mental health finds you (laughs) so i and i'm a i'm still a firm believer in that statement because in this in the change of going from an emergency room nurse to a mental health outreach nurse um i i hit recovery yeah i went from denying that i had problems and denying that i was that there was anything wrong in my life to outward projection that my life was perfect and I was just you know I like this and I that and oh my god so amazing (laughs) um to being like fuck my life is fucked (laughs) can I have help please because I'm super fucked um to feeling like my life's a really great and like if someone there's times where I'll be like I'm okay and like if no one asks me more than that I'm okay with just being like I'm okay and some people or sometimes I'll be like yeah I'm good no way, and I'm not. I'm I'm just okay. <laughs> but like I I I value my life. Like you said, I count my blessings when I feel like there's shit going down. Like so, yes, I think people can move to a caregiving state, but we still have a job. So we have to we have to help people, right. um, regardless of whether they want help. Sometimes, but in that state, we can when people don't want help and we're still providing the help, we can let it go. We can leave at the end of our day and be like, I still did what I needed to do and now I'm done and I'm leaving that and I, I, I'm, I'm thriving because it's not going to bother me. That was a present moment. I'm moving forward, right. forgetting that or whatever, letting it go, letting go how that, or if it didn't sit well with me, like if we provided care that didn't, that met an ethical gray zone of mine, then I talk to the right people and I find the right resources and I do the right things. And I, you know, I've built myself centered or my, my core, the way it needs to be that I, I can move forward from it. Like I can digest it and move forward. Yeah. And it, it sounds like, um, like you're talking about like not bring it home and not take it on is the difference between, and like I've, I've, I've seen it and I see the difference that when I talk to mental, uh, not mental health, but like uh, first responders and um, health professionals, that when they bring home the dialogue of like, well, this person should have done this. And like, if they would just do this and if they would just stop. And it's the same in my profession of personal trainers. When they look at someone and they're like, oh, well, like you need to work on your posture and like you need to put cardiovascular into your blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, you shouldn't train splits like that. And like, you know, you should be doing 
all your body, every, like, this is how you should work out. This is how your workout routine and your weightlifting. And I'm like, look at these personal trainers. Like, did you talk to that person about what their fucking goals are? Yeah. Like, when I never get embarrassed going into the gym with what I'm doing, because if someone sees me fucking sitting on my cell phone on a bench texting instead of lifting the fucking set of weights that's by my feet, I don't, like, the thought goes through my head, like, what would someone think right now? I'm a personal trainer, and I'm literally sitting on my cell phone, like, taking a break, texting someone in between my sets, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because I know why I'm here. Yeah. And I have that same respect for every single other person I see in the gym. Yeah. When I look at someone, I'm like, ooh, they're running biomechanics is pretty bad. And I'm like, you know what? They're in here getting a run in. Right. And good for them. Yeah. That's that's the mentality that we should have when we're looking at other people. And it's not like they need my help. It's yeah. they, they're, they're doing what they need to do. And if they want help, yeah. they can ask. And either I can provide the type of help they're asking for, or I cannot. And I will send them in whatever direction I think could help them. Yeah. And when men, when healthcare professionals go through the dialogue of if this person just did this, if they should blah, 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 to have that dialogue change into I did the best I could today with what people were asking for me. Yeah. Like you can't have patients come in and be like, I want this, this, and this. And for you to be like, that's not what you need. And you're like, maybe you should have a fucking conversation with them. Yeah. Like to just think that you're fucking right. It's like doctors prescribing pills for shit where you're like, you come in depressed and they're like, you need Prozac. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. no, tell them to go to fucking therapy. Don't yeah. prescribe them pills. But I guess it's, it's my thing on that is we just need to be more curious. Yeah. Why are they coming in asking those questions? Yeah. So like having that curiosity actually allows us then to help someone better. Yeah, because we're it's, it's them focused. Yeah. It's not about what we think they should be doing. Yeah. It's about what they're yeah. what we're helping them discover. Yeah. Their needs are. And so that's where it goes back to that enabling and caretaking because when it's caretaking, it's it's them focused. It's 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 a um if only you just did. Yeah. What I told you to do. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. That was, that's or I was just trying to help. I, I was just trying to help. That's my other favorite line. I was just trying to help. I'm like, did you ask what they actually needed help with? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, um, there was another part about the, the thriving that I wanted to talk about. I don't know. Maybe I lost it. Mm. Oh, but oh, well. It'll come back, probably. Yeah, after the podcast is done. Yeah, <laughs> we'll add it in the notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think, I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, so did, can, did we, did we go over how to help people switch from one, being a caretaker or allowing others to caretake them into becoming in the healthier state of a caregiver? Or surrounding yourself with caregivers instead of becoming dependent on well, caretakers. I think we, we did in a roundabout way in the sense of like moving into that thriving mode. Into that like yeah. like when we're thriving and we're no longer living in the victimhood state, huh. then we are moving into the caregiving state and we're, yeah. we take less of the caretaking state. And what about, so one of the issues I think that I want to bring up um, from our experience over sure. the past few days, and I maybe touched on it briefly. Um, well, I touched on it a little bit, but it was kind of like my own self-discovery is that, um, w- like you had a conversation with me about, um, I, I am bad at accepting help or I'm bad at asking for help. You didn't necessarily say those things, Correct. but it's, 
is things that have come up repetitively in my growth. Okay. So I did used to be really bad at asking for help. I'm really good at it now, I yeah. think. I mm-hmm. especially from the place I came from. Yeah. I am good at asking for help now. And um the but one thing that I grew through in this circumstance is being able to identify the type of help I need when I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. So through through our battle of the type of caretaking that yeah. comes from your damage, yeah. um, that like having someone provide a service, even though that's my love language, yeah. um, both that I receive and give, when I'm feeling sad or when I'm feeling not my best. You're like a presence person. You're yeah. like the, you're like what I like. I just, I, I want to feel your personal, cared yeah. about. No, but you're a personal space person then. It comes like, it cha- your love language kind of changes, hey? Like it goes from like acts of service to time. Yeah, quality, quality time. time. So yeah, I want, I want to be able to feel like if someone's like, what do you need? Now I can answer. Yeah. I need you to just be with me I need you to accept me where I'm at yeah and I I need someone to be in my space with me yeah and to just be yeah to just be with me yeah I don't need physical help and like tasks taking care service. of I don't need, need service you don't need service you need just space you just need time you need yeah. time I, I need I need shared space yeah I need shared time yeah so um, and I think that's definitely a huge part of recovery for people. That's interesting. That's an interesting change of love language. I didn't think about how our love language changes. Yeah, when we're in a state of thriving versus versus a state of um, vulnerability. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. So when I feel vulnerable, my my love language is one of wanting someone to communicate their care. Yeah. For me. In a different. Through, yeah. Through and that's quality time and space. And I, and I think that's really interesting. Cause like mine shifts. Cause when I'm my love language, my love language is quality time. And when I'm vulnerable, I want access service. Interesting. Yeah. So like it very much shifts. Cause like, yeah. I don't want you just to sit there. I want you to do things when I'm vulnerable. And the other interesting thing is when you see someone else vulnerable, your love language becomes acts of service to them, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's because that's what I want. Right. So, and that's probably what your love language shifts to. Is yours? No. So this is the interesting thing that I've known about myself for a long time that I made a huge shift in the past, like since I started running my business, because a huge part of my damage used to be that when I would see other people vulnerable, I would refuse caretaking or caregiving oh, to okay. them okay i avoided other people who are sick like the fucking plague right like a sick or in a vulnerable state right because someone else's vulnerabilities reflected like it would amplify yours so if my if i started dating someone and i saw that they had some sort of like issue or they were struggling or they like lost a job or they became emotionally upset about something i'd be like i don't know you handle that on your own i'm fucking leaving yeah. like by um and i've 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 learned especially because this is my client base yeah i've i've learned to sit with people where they're at yeah um and actually probably in a weird roundabout way i've found a way to provide a service for people in a vulnerable state yeah. because i come in and help them 
solution find and problem solve. Yeah, but that's that's still solution finding and problem solving. That's still action. Yeah, this yeah, it's a it's an act of service. Yeah. Um, but even in relationships, I've learned, um, like in my previous relationship that I just had, I learned to really accept someone for where they're at. Yeah, that no matter how much they felt they were communicating damage, yeah, I was like you're beautiful the way you are. Yeah. Like you still deserve love and yeah. all of that. Yeah. So whereas like I wouldn't touch someone with a 40 foot pole if they didn't look like they were fucking perfect and together yeah. and like handling it on their fucking own. Yeah. If anyone showed me vulnerability, I'd be like, ew, gross, not attractive. Bye. Yeah. Like, yeah. So to have made that shift, I refuse both caretaking and caregiving. And now I've been able to, now I've been able to actually embrace people with um just kind of where they're at and in a state of vulnerability specifically or in a state of requiring some sort of care i i just i still find it really interesting that like it just shifts and i i think i think like i can sit with people where they're at too when they don't want anything hmm interesting like so i'm i'm thinking specifically to my job and i'm thinking to that to qualify that statement i'm thinking specifically to my job and specifically to to people warped in their substance use so when they when they don't want me to solve their problems i'm so comfortable sitting with them and being like what's your story like what's happening like where are you like like i'm just i'm like i come from this really great point of curiosity but when they start spewing like a victim mentality that they want me to like help them with and like oh yeah those aren't solutions i can like those aren't problems i can solve for you what about you sitting with someone like in your in your personal life i'm sitting with them when they don't need anything because that was like our exact fucking fight (laughs) um if yeah i guess only if they tell me that though like i'm not i can't sit with someone and I'm gonna I'm gonna immediately go to problem solve because that's what that's what I'm used to doing what's comfortable for me and part of your dialogue used uh used to be I haven't heard it in a while um part of your dialogue used to be I just want to take your pain away uh that used to be what you said I just, looking at your mother and then yeah. kind of um you've said it to me about my shit yeah, like, I, I wish, like, yeah, I wish sometimes I had a magic wand and could fix everyone. Um, right. But that comes from, like, my nursing thing. I just, um, I maybe don't feel that way anymore. Um, but I definitely feel like um, I go to problem solve. Like, that's yeah. that's just, that's in, it's super ingrained in me. Like, I go to the problem solving thing. So, and I do it sometimes even in my job when people aren't asking for me to problem solve them. And then I'm like, wait, didn't actually ask for this. Right. Yeah, but you, and yet kind of hypocritically you're just explaining like uh maybe not hypocritically i won't put that in there um i retract that (laughs) i retract that statement um when people tell you they don't need anything in your job you're able to just sit with them where they're at yeah when people in your personal life who are in pain either emotionally or physically tell you that they don't need anything can you just sit with them Mm. i want to i want to help them still right you, I, I, I want to, and that's a caretaker thing. Yeah. I, I want to help them. I yeah. want to fix them. And that's, those are the I statements, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, um, my problem, my dialogue was when I would look at people in pain, I would want to leave. Yeah. 
I would want to get away from them. Yeah. I would want to not be present yeah. watching someone else in pain. It mm-hmm. used to make me highly fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Whereas now I've I've done the work to like be able to sit with people in that space. Yeah. I've done enough work. I've done enough. This is what this is what this is my qualifying statement. I've done enough work that if someone asked me to sit with them, I will no longer I will no longer try to solve their problems. But if they don't ask it directly, I will consistently want to take away their emotions. Right. Because they make me uncomfortable. Because they make me uncomfortable. (laughs) Right. So, but what I am learning is that I have, like, I have to, I have, I'm learning to respect people's boundaries. Um, So, but people have to tell me them before I can respect them. So. Yeah. And as a nurse, I'm, and this is the other thing that, that people and quality of a nurse is we're very good at getting into your personal space immediately because we're automatically given that permission when there's an emergency. You don't tell me to step away from you when you need my help. I literally can go from zero to 60 with you. I can go from knowing your name and having you completely undressed in like 60 seconds and be right touching you in every body part, every body part of you. There's no boundary there. Like right. it's, you've asked for the help, I give it to you. Like, so that is what I'm used to. Right. Like that is my profession. And, and, um, the other thing about me being, my profession is a big part of who I am. Yeah. yeah. So like I said earlier in this podcast, nurses kind of find nursing. We, we, we find it because we need it. It is a big part of who we are. So in order to change that, you're changing an ecosystem of someone which I don't think we've touched on this podcast or have we mentioned it? Like, the- uh, no, we haven't talked about ecosystems and that should probably be our next one. Sure. <laughs> but anyways, it's a big part of who I am. Yeah. My profession, the, the reason I chose the profession, the reason I continue to do the profession, the reason I love my job is because it is very in tune to who I am. I have sat at counseling sessions and they like, who are you? And I'm like, my name is Claire. My, I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a this, and I'm a nurse. Like it's, it's like, it's like, I think it's sometimes been third on my list. Right. I've been like, before I had a kid, it was, I'm married to, and my job is right. Yeah. That's your identity. It is. So So, like, that's a big part of it. So like to, to ask me to do something different for someone, unless they're going to tell me to not solve their problem. It's, it's like my intuition is to do it. Right. And as can nurses, like nursing feeds or enables a bunch of the damage. It allows you to operate under the guise of um, doing your job. But really, I see it as a lot of nurses with a ton of damage that find nursing. Like they didn't start out as nurses. They started with the damage and found nursing to feed suffering that they had, that they wanted. Yeah, but we don't know we're doing it. Right. Yeah. So how do nurses who are now like developing a little bit of self-awareness move from um, the damage of being caretakers and to start learning how to be caregivers in their personal lives instead of slowly, slowly (laughs) one baby tiny toe at a time. Like it's a slow process. It's it's changing. It's literally changing, changing someone's self. So how does that happen? Well, that's, it's kind of the point of every single podcast. The only way to undo the damage is to start working through recovery. Yeah. It's to start 
learning all of the fucking pillars of resiliency. Yeah. Um, um, I think the other thing is, is not rushing it. Like, understand that recovery is a journey. And that, that was that was a big message of what I kind of listened to tonight um, on my, my own date night um, and my group that I joined in my own date night. Um, this sounds stupid, but whatever. What I was listening to on my phone tonight in a, like, group meeting setting is that realizing that it's a journey. Recovery is a journey. It's not a – not a – it doesn't happen overnight. It takes – a day at a time and it's each of those days adds up to a year and then the year adds up to another year and another year adds up to another year yeah man i'm on so like the other side of the fence but then people who describe it that way like i'm like no i like i i for the purpose of what we do i talk a lot about what i go through as recovery and yeah there are still like cobwebs but i saw recovery for me as taking up like a certain chunk of years and once I started thriving I classified myself as beyond my damage the work I do now is building on top of it is no longer recovery Mm. like and I use the term recovery about myself a lot when we have these discussions and when I talk to other people but my own personal mindset is like I wanted to crush it I wanted to stamp out that bullshit that was holding me back from being a good person and thriving in my life. Why do you think that changing, why do you think, I guess I'm looking at it as like, how does my analogy mean that I'm not crushing it, even if I'm doing it one day at a time? I, it doesn't. Right. It, it doesn't. Yeah. I'm just, I'm I'm expressing a different way of looking at it. Yeah. Than, because I see a lot of people in recovery who are happy. They feel blessed. Yeah that they are in recovery for the rest of their lives. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to be recovering until I die. Yeah. And they're, they're set with that. They're excited that that is the label that they hold. Yeah. Whereas my problem is literally just the label. Oh, okay. And like, it goes over it in my book where right. it's like, there's, there's victim and then there's survivor. Yeah. And like, I'm a survivor of child abuse. I'm a survivor of rape. Yeah. I'm a survivor of alcoholism yeah. or like, like whatever. And I just looked at the word survivor and I was like, I don't like that. Okay. I don't want to be a survivor. I don't I don't want yeah. for the rest of my life. I don't want to be in recovery the rest of my life. I want to be a fucking normie. Like I want to hold mm. that label. And then I want to mm. go from normie to fucking exceptional. Mm. And that's where I want to live. I don't I don't want anyone who looks at me now to who meets me first off to be like, huh, I can totally tell you like came from a history of like abuse and damage. I want to be looked at. Like this is this is my own selfish bullshit imagery shit mm-hmm. that comes from my damage. <laughs> um, where they look at me and they're like, "Fuck you, thrive!" Like, wow, like you must have like been raised well and like have have lots of tools. And it's like, no, I wasn't, but I do now. Mm-hmm. And I I want that end point. I want the end point of my damage, and that now what I'm looking at is foundation and building up. That I'm not still fucking filling holes. In my like, I'm not so feeling potholes in my life. So I don't see recovery as filling hot potholes, and I the part is that I don't I see recovery as a journey, and and I do see it as lifelong, and I see it as lifelong because um, like if you want to change yourself, it takes time, it takes yeah. a lot of fucking time, and so when you talk about changing, like at last asking a nurse to move to, from a caretaker to a caregiver, I I say that takes a fucking lifetime. Because you're asking someone to change their ecosystem. 
And that person has to want to change their ecosystem and need yeah. to change their ecosystem. And, and, and I look at myself and I look at the identity that I hold to my profession and the, what, how it is with my life. That takes a fucking lifetime. That will be a journey for me for the rest of my effing life. Like I, I believe and I, that growth should be a lifetime journey. Yeah. I just don't think that I just don't enjoy labeling it as recovery from something for a lifetime. I, I, I want like optimal health at some point and then to go from optimal health to exceptional health to like fucking alien cosmic health. Like I want something out of this world. Um, and I just don't feel like dragging bits and pieces of my baggage with me is a, like a way to, you know, I just want to fucking let it go. Drop it off. Uh, I didn't know if we, t- did we actually touch on air about the like normie thing? Cause you threw it in there, but did we actually, I think that was an off air com- conversation, wasn't it? Or was oh, it- uh, no, there's, I remember writing about it in a okay. description okay. that normies are people who, cause I asked you about, like, I remember specifically being like, well, what about a normie? And like, right. You- people, people who, um, yeah, we made a difference that there were people who have like recovery and people who are normies, normies yeah. and then people who just don't admit they have damage, so they think right. they're in the normie okay. group. Okay. So yeah, normies are people who are allegedly raised without damage, right. like resilient enough resilient that they don't have to go fucking digging through this like trash, you know, <laughs> digging through their own baggage and shit to recover from anything. Yeah, I'm gonna go with trash. Anyways, <laughs> digging through the trash. Anyways, uh, okay, back to our topic: caregiving, caretaking, and how do we summarize and finalizing? Uh, like, I okay, so let's make a couple points. Um, to change from caretaker, mm-hmm. which is self-focused and self-serving, and about the person doing the caring. Yeah. Um, to transform from that to a caregiver mm-hmm. means doing your own recovery work right um making it uh I, I don't want to call them patient but um the the hurt or injured focused whether that's emotionally or spiritually um working on uh like giving instead of hoping to receive something out of that mm-hmm. and that also if you are allowing other people to caretake on you in order to prevent that, you need to start your recovery journey. Right. Like it's literally all based. If you, if you want to move from caretaker, whether those people are caretaking on you or you're caretaking on other people, the right. goal is to move to a caregiver yeah. and to have caregivers in your life and not surround yourself with caretakers. Yeah. Cause that's a victimhood place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that nurses are fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And if you're a first responder or if you work in any sort of mental health or physical health industry, you might want to do some fucking (laughs) Uh, (laughs) self-reflection. Yeah. uh, I I feel like self-reflection is one word, but like, I love, I I love talking to my colleagues and being like, I know myself. Okay. Move forward. Yeah. I know myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so it shows up in all sorts of different types and forms and also knowing yourself helps you learn what type of care you appreciate yeah um and that it can shift and be different when you're in a vulnerable state versus um being in a thriving or okay state yeah so 
And then I guess the, the other lesson is sometimes care, having care given to you to figure out and acknowledge what kind you like and being able to identify it and ask for it. Yeah. And if someone's not offering you that, say, no, no, thank you. you. Yeah. Say, no, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah? We good? I think so. Okay. All right. This has been another episode of Hashtag Hashtag Enlightened Bitches. You need to introduce yourself because we actually didn't do that at the beginning. Oh, yeah. So, and I'm Julia. And I run Pretty Aggressive Recovery Coaching. I help people learn how to thrive in this life in, because just surviving is bullshit. I have a website at www.prettyaggressive.net. I have a book out that you can find on Amazon.com and Amazon.ca called Beyond Damage. I also have an Instagram at prettyaggressive underscore official and a Facebook page. And I've just released Legacy Bonding, which is a parenting course yeah. directed at people who have been raised um, with transgenerational abuse. And you can find that um, through contacting me through any of my social media. And uh, yeah, she's all over the internet, people. I'm all over the fucking internet. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, it, it hurts to miss me, but I'm not hard to miss. <laughs> can you hashtag that? Oh, I'm, I am hard to miss and it's painful to miss me. Aww. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad hashtag. All right. Anyway, and um, I'm, I'm here with. Uh, and I'm Claire and I am one of your, uh, one of yours. One of the community mental health uh, and substance use nurses in my little tiny community. It's great. That's not that tiny. It's tiny. Well, we've got a lot of mental health issues going on out here. Yeah, right in this apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. Hey. (laughs) Julia's thriving and I'm on my path to recovery. (laughs) Your words and mine. (laughs) Okay, good night, night, everyone.